conflict is one of the most destructive forces on Earth. It instigates wars, it divides families, it destroys marriages, it can make the workplace unbearable, and it can wreak havoc in the church. How do we learn to deal with conflict biblically? Join us today as I interview Kenneth Kramer, author of A Heart at Peace, Biblical Strategies for Christians in Conflict. The program will help you address conflict head-on in the family, in the workplace, and in the church. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. My guest today, Kenneth Kramer, is a farmer principal, teacher, and family counselor. He also served as the family ministry editor at Northwestern Publishing House before his retirement. Welcome, Mr. Kramer. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Hi, Kay. Thanks for having me on, and a special thanks to uh, Family Shield Ministries for inviting me. You are so welcome. I have enjoyed uh, reading your book, A Heart at Peace, Biblical Strategies for Christians in Conflict. And boy, we do get in conflict, even as Christians, don't we? Yeah, too sad, but that's true. Yeah. So why did you write the book? I, I wrote it because um, in in my uh, early ministry years, I think I probably was in about three or four bitter, bitter conflicts that would have been avoidable if I had understood conflict better, and maybe uh, if I had understood myself better, too. Mm. That's good. And I, 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 too, have had a situation at least one time where it was a really difficult conflict with someone I worked with. And it's miserable. I love the name of your book, A Heart at Peace. When we're not in conflict, we can have that heart at peace. But when we're in a a difficult uh, uh, conflict with someone or more than someone, our heart just is not at peace. So it's it's a great title for that book. Well, the first segment of your book is entitled Christians in Conflict. So let's talk about Christians in Conflict. Uh, one of the things you talk about is is that sin uh, entangles us. Talk. Let's talk about sin and why conflict happens to those of us, even that are Christians. Well, I, I think uh, of the Bible story that every child probably knows of Cain and Abel, and uh, you begin to see uh, how sin has its way with people in the heart of Cain. Uh, And it's his jealousy that causes him to have conflict with his brother Abel, and ultimately to uh, commit the first murder on earth. Um, And I guess I came to the conclusion, again, after restudying that story, that If we're going to be able to deal with conflict, we really have to understand what causes conflict and and why conflict uh, is kind of a predictable, um, perfect storm of temptation and sin in which the old Adam, the old man inside of us, even in Christians, that old man has his way with us uh, when we're in conflict. It's so much easier for him to uh, take over our lives when we're in conflict. So I guess I I really firmly believed at the time I wrote the book that uh, we had to really start with the ugly facts of what conflict is and and why we're dragged into conflict. And so often it has to do with ourselves. Yeah. 
our sinful nature, as you mentioned, that old Adam, even though we're Christians and we believe in Jesus and we're saints because of that faith in Christ, we're forgiven because of that uh, faith in Christ, we still sin. And uh, a lot of times it happens through situations of conflict. Let's talk for a little more about that story of Cain and Abel. Um, uh, God kind of warned him, didn't he? He, he said to him, uh, sin is crouching at your door, conquer it, but he didn't conquer it. Tell us a little more about that story of Cain and Abel. Well, it was always mystifying to me, even as a child, why uh, why Cain murdered Abel when he was really angry at God. Mm. Uh, so that that's maybe the first lesson we need to understand is uh, Cain's really operating here with a heart of unbelief. Uh, his his uh, offerings to God were weren't accepted by God because Cain really trusted so much more in himself and, uh, in a sense, worshipped himself and the things he wanted for his own life and for his own family. And in that wanting uh, and in his heart of unbelief, he rejected God. So that's, that's the first of his problems. And then when God, in love, comes to Cain and warns him that sin is crouching at his door, uh, Cain's already made up his mind. Uh, he's got to take care of things himself, and he does, of course. So that's the sad and ugly truth. Uh, but, you know, the heart of unbelief, that's what the old Adam wants us to think is in control of our lives, even if we're Christians, even uh, when we are new men in Christ. And so that's why it's so much easier when we're in conflict um, to fall into that trap of, of uh, wanting our enemy to be uh, put down in some way. And we want to be the ones that do it, don't we? Now, yeah. um, I, I know that a lot of times uh, uh, those that are Christians don't want to talk about sin, but I think it's really important that we understand, and you've already said that, that although we are new uh, creatures in Christ, that sin still dwells in us. And it's really, usually, conflict happens because somebody does something we don't like, somebody uh, has a different opinion than us, or we're just not really communicating too well. So you talk about uh, uh, that um, God's Word reminds us of the dark thoughts that can infest our hearts. And... um, so many people will say, well, no, no, you know, I, I'm I'm a good person, uh, and yet when conflict happens, this is when the bad thoughts and sometimes words come out of our mouths. Talk a little bit more about why those dark thoughts can infest our heart. I'm, I'm going to lean just a little bit on the Apostle James. Uh, the book of James in the Bible is remembered mostly, I think, because James talks a good deal about doing good works, and that's great. But the Apostle James was also a real, um, almost almost like a psychologist in the sense that he understood the heart of people well. And uh, so it is James who puts his finger on the real problem when we see conflict um, taking over in people's lives. Uh, in uh, the fourth chapter of James, it starts out with a question that James asks, what causes con- fights and quarrels among you? 
It's almost like he's a teacher standing in the hall and seeing a fight developing among two bad boys, and at the top of his voice he is shouting, what's going on here? You're Christians, and yet you're acting this way? Um, the, and then he goes on to answer his own questions with a series of uh, sentences that goes on for about three verses, and in those ser- series of sentences, he repeats the same word over and over 15 times. He says, you're the problem. You, you're the cause, and it's the wanting that you have, the desires of your own sinful heart that lead you in, uh, to walk right into the face of conflict. So uh, he tells it like it is. Uh, I don't think I could embellish much more on that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Another thing that you do through the book uh, is that you talk about a church, uh, St. Paul's, I believe it was, and the people that are in it that are in conflict. And I'm sure they're not real people, but I'm sure that a lot of the situations are we real. We don't have a lot of time to deal with that. But I, I thought you weaved it all the way through the book um, until they actually found some reconciliation. They actually did a deal with the conflict in a Christ-centered way. Um, but a lot of uh, good examples comes out of that where you see people and how they start and continue and it continues to get worse and worse and worse for a long time. Uh, tell me a little bit about um, uh, how you, you know, some of that I'm sure is from real experience, but did you talk to churches and church leaders and, and church lay people uh, to, to learn what was happening with their conflict to kind of get some of that in there? Well, some of it was uh, firsthand experience, sadly. So. Yeah. Um, but I did also, in preparation for the book, I interviewed more than 30 pastors mm. uh, who had also real-life experiences. And so the, the story that I weave throughout the book of a church in conflict is really a composite of real-life stories. And, and in many ways, the people that are there are also true characters out of real life. Uh, I just didn't uh, provide the yeah. names for them. Right. But uh, it gave me an opportunity to explore some of the kind of things that cause um, conflict among us. There's, there's an individual in that story that um, mistrusts uh, another person. There's a person in that story who has intimacy issues with a, a friend of hers. There's another person in the story who has trouble with um, boundary marking, which is a severe cause of conflict in corporate situations like a church. Uh, there's another person that has issues with um, authority, and uh, and another person who is in competition for gaining control. Those are all kind mm-hmm. of things, human things, that can cause us to fall into conflict. And the whole point of the story really is to help us understand First, what generates the conflict, but then, more importantly, to, to move on and be able to find ways of uh, intervening in conflict, of being a peacemaker in conflict, and ultimately, uh, ultimately finding reconciliation. 
And at the end of the story, although there are some very, very sad parts to report in that story as well, uh, we find uh, at least some of the people in that congregation who were in serious conflict uh, finding resolution for their conflict at the foot of the cross. Uh-huh. And, and that's the point I'm trying to actually make in the long term with the book, is that um, for for Christians, there is, uh, there is a better way to resolve our conflicts, and that better way is called reconciliation, and it is based on Christian love. And uh, we all have access to it because we know what love is through the love that God has shown us through Christ Jesus. So it kind of takes us from the beginning to the end of a very sad sequence in the life of a, of a Lutheran church. Yeah, and it, it's, it's happening in all kinds of churches. And a lot of what you are sharing in the book can be applied to the workplace and can be applied to the home. Uh, there's just, a, it's a, it was excellent uh, because it showed all of the different stages and again coming back to the cross of Jesus Christ and that we are brothers and sisters in Christ and uh, the, the forgiveness that can happen when two people in conflict talk to each other and ask for forgiveness. That is the end goal of any reconciler. Um, let's talk for a little bit about uh, blessed are the peacemakers. You you talk about um, uh, the the peacemakers uh, and the verses that Jesus talks about. Uh, um, and uh, let's just talk for a little bit about you know kind of summarize your part two, and then I'll ask you some specific questions. Um, uh, about what Jesus said and why did he say, blessed are the peacemakers? Okay. Yeah, um, we all have, we all, all when, I, when I say all, I mean Christian people have um, access to the, the truths of Scripture um, and the way it changes our hearts and our lives and the way we interact with people. And so even by virtue of our own baptism into faith, Jesus calls us to become peacemakers by sharing the gospel with others and and by bringing true peace into the hearts of people who are troubled over uh, their sins and, in this case, particularly over their their conflicts in life. Um, I I am so, so grateful, and I I, I don't want to pass over this, uh, for... um, something that I learned when I attended a Peacemakers conference in Minneapolis, a gentleman by the name of Ken Sandy, who has written a book about peacemaking, uh, diagrammed the ways in which um, people seek to resolve conflict and the range of 12 different kind of responses to conflict among human beings is rather astounding. It goes all the way on one side from suicide to on the opposite end of the spectrum, murder. Those are all ways to react in either fighting or in flight from our conflicts. And yet Sandy uh, puts the very top or at the pinnacle of his 12 ways of resolving conflict, reconciliation. And I began to see how the Bible presents um, forgiveness uh, through reconciliation as uh, really the the goal that we ought to be seeking when we approach our peacemaking prospects. The other thing that I guess I would quickly add here is 
that Jesus has a, a simple little story about removing the beam from oh. our own eye mm-hmm. that is just profound it, when you sit down and think about it. In order to be a peacemaker and to have anybody even think about listening to um, uh, the approach that Scripture takes in bringing reconciliation where there is warfare, um, in order to do that, one has to be have the the, uh, the insight um, and the clarity to be able to remove that beam from his own eye first before he can help anyone else uh, begin to find their way back to peace uh, from their yeah. warlike behaviors. So yeah. that, that passage is just huge uh, when yeah. it comes to peacemaking. I have that here, Matthew 7, 5. First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I'm going to make some announcements and then we'll come back to continue talking about Blessed Are the Peacemakers and this book, um, A Heart at Peace, Biblical Strategies for Christians in Conflict. Each week, Family Shield offers a booklet or resource to our listeners. This week, we're offering the booklet, Practical Ways to Effectively Manage Conflict. To receive the booklet at no charge, email us at witness2family at gmail.com. We're also giving away a copy of uh, Ken Kramer's book, A Heart at Peace, and uh, that will be given through a drawing. To have your name entered into the drawing, email your complete name and address to witness to family at gmail.com. We'll draw the winner and we will mail that book directly to them. If you're a Thrivent Financial member, that means you have life insurance or financial assets with Thrivent, you can designate your Thrivent Choice dollars to support Family Shield Ministries. Go to the Thrivent website at www.thrivent.com slash Thrivent Choice or call them at 1-800-847-4836 to learn more. Remember, you need to contact them annually to let them know where you want your Thrivent dollars to be donated. And March is the annual deadline. Did you know that Family Shield has a speakers bureau with speakers that can come to your congregation or church group? To learn more, go to our website at www.familyshieldministries.com. We encourage you to keep Family Shield in your prayers. As a listener-supported radio outreach, your prayers and financial support are important to us. Send letters, comments, or a gift to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 23. 0015 St. Louis, Missouri 63123. Now I want to go back to our guest, Ken Kramer, and he is the author of A Heart at Peace, Biblical Strategies for Christians in Conflict. And there is also a devotional booklet that he wrote to go along with this book, Devotional Thoughts for Christians in Conflict. I think that would be also a good devotional to have uh, because I know from experience when we're in conflict, um, it's uh, difficult and we need to be focusing on the Lord and what he has said about this. Uh, As we um, continue our program, let's talk more about what we need to do if we're in conflict to deal with that conflict in a Christ-centered way. There there are a couple of things that we can and should be doing, and one of them is to be checking the nature of our conflict and whether it is really a hateful kind of thing, or if we are just uh, having kind of a typical 
um, riff with somebody over a misunderstanding or or a difference of opinion. You know, there, God doesn't say that having a difference of opinion with other people is sinful. No. It isn't in, in some cases. The only way it would be sinful is if uh, the, that opinion lingers uh, or, or strays from uh, God's Word. So um, what do we do, though, when, when we are in serious conflict, and how can we check ourselves to even find out if we are in serious conflict? Well, Jesus actually set up a little test for us, um, and it's kind of uh, easy to do. Um, think of the person that you're in conflict with for the moment and ask yourself, can I really pray for that person? Because mm. Jesus says um, uh, that the way we're supposed to treat our enemies is to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Well, uh, I've I put this to the test many times, and I've used it with kids, too. And the fact is, it's really, really hard to pray for somebody, to, to ask God to bless somebody with good outcomes in their life or whatever it may be, if you really are in, uh, in a relationship that is hateful with that person. If that's the case, um, you need to deal with it. All of us uh, need to find a way, then, under such circumstance to... Um, change our hearts from a heart that is currently at war into a heart that is at peace. And to get there, um, there are a lot of things that we can consider along the way. Are we, have we been denying this? Um, there's a whole section in the book that talks about elephants and emperors uh-huh. and the story of the emperor's new clothes and uh, the idea of corporate denial or individual denial and how that has to be overcome. Uh, there's another aspect of uh, dealing with reconciliation that um, urges urges people to um, seek to celebrate uh, when we overcome our conflicts, and that's something that churches that have been in conflict for a long time oftentimes neglect to really be show their joy at finding peace after they have spent a long time in. Uh, you know, in some kind of a corporate uh, conflict situation where the congregation is being torn apart by whatever the cause may be. Um, And finally, the most important thing is to learn how to forgive one another and, and to say, to learn how to say, I'm sorry to others when we know that we have done something to hurt them. And most of these concepts are such basic and simple concepts are kind of no-brainers when you think about them and read about them. And for that reason, I guess I would encourage and advocate that we also take the time and find the means to begin to train children, mm-hmm. even at an early, early age, yep. um, how to deal with their conflicts. Because kids are inevitably going to have to deal with conflict during their lives, maybe even in their early lives. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The the younger people learn how to deal with conflict, whether it's small or large, the the easier it will be as they become adults. Now, uh, a lot of times people uh, refer to Matthew eighteen fifteen to 17, and I'm going to read it. You mention uh, in it that sometimes this is misunderstood or misused. If a brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. 
But if he does not listen, take one or two along with you that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. And the worst, the last part, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Um, How is this verse misunderstood? I know myself as an LCMS reconciler, we use that a lot, but we say, you don't just go the first time to your brother alone and you say, oh, I tried and he didn't want to talk. You keep going back and you keep going back alone and and pray and pray. But you mentioned a little bit of uh, in your book about um, uh, how sometimes people misuse this verse. Tell us a little bit about why or how they misuse it. Well, two things come to my mind uh, readily when I hear those uh, words from Matthew 18. The first is uh, the, the words right in the middle uh, of Jesus' little uh, four-step lesson there about how to deal with... Mm-hmm. Uh, someone who has hurt you. Uh, and the words that are key really are, gains his brother. Mm. The whole point of Jesus' message here and his plan for, uh, for dealing with a strained brother or sister is um, to gain that brother or sister back from their sinful way, their sinful life. The other thing that um, we oftentimes forget about this text is the context in which Jesus is is telling his disciples to follow this little plan. The context preceding uh, this plan, we have that beautiful uh, parable of uh, the shepherd who left 99 sheep out in the field to go after one little sheep who had strayed and uh, to save that single sheep. And then he follows it up with this four-point plan, which ends, sadly, as you said, with uh, let him be a, a pagan and a tax collector to you. But the whole point of the of the story of the good shepherd who leaves the ninety nine is that he would do anything to try and save that one strange sheep, mm-hmm. and that's why Jesus is telling uh, his disciples to then follow these steps. Our time is just about up. Sorry about that. Go ahead, real quickly. Yeah, the, the other thing about that parable is how it ends. Let him be as a tax collector and a pagan. Well, when you think about Jesus' ministry, he spent an awful lot of time with people that were very similar to tax collectors and pagans. These were folks who were looked down upon in society and were kind of the scum of the earth. But Jesus cared about them enough to reach out to them, to eat with them, to spend time with them, even to bleed and die for them. Uh, that's the real point that, that we want from that, four, that four-step plan. We don't. The whole Thank you. point is not to find a way to throw the bum out of church. All right, good. Our time is up. My guest has been Kenneth Kramer in his book, A Heart at Peace, Biblical Strategies for Christians in Conflict. This is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. 
and tune in again next week for Family Shield.